This program contains adult content. Is there a God? A big atheist. Really? What, am I an idiot? Come on. That yes, it would be nice if you could throw your sins and your responsibilities on someone else. But it's not true. It looks like far left lunacy. I don't believe that it's true that religion is moral or ethical. You don't need to follow anybody! It's not human intelligence! If someone doesn't value logical consistency, what logical argument are you going to give them that will demonstrate that they should? Hello and welcome to the Godless Revolution. Today is Thursday, October 13th. This is episode 392. My name is Dan Ellis. Actually, this might be episode 391, and I might release uh, the episode that we already have in the can as 392 because I want to get this one out as early as possible. So for you listeners, this is either episode 391 or 392. Look at the number on your player of the thing you're doing this on, and it will tell you either way for sure. Uh, yeah, because we already called the other one 391. We should just put them out in reverse order, anyways. <laughs> Might as well. The other one, yeah, the other one was was fun, but uh, didn't have a whole lot of like time time important Sensitive. or time tied uh, content. So uh, I'm Dan Ellis, joined by two awesome co-hosts, Mr. Ryan Duffy, who you've heard from, yes, and Mr. Taylor Grin, who you heard from very briefly a little bit. Ciao. It looks like you trimmed your beard, man. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, it was getting to be a pain in the ass. Uh, the climate here is really humid, mm. so it would just fray out really bad <laughs> at the ends. and um, uh, Get very curly and unmanageable. Yeah. 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 I yeah. hear that. Yeah, they can be a real pain in the ass. Uh, what's new with you guys? We're, we're going to make this a brief intro, uh, but what... what what super important things or fun things have you guys done over the last little while that we haven't been able to talk to each other and record? My computer blew up. Oh, that's right. You had to get a new computer. Your hard drive died. Fucking hard drive failed hard. Wouldn't even spin up. I couldn't even force it to fucking start. Was it making any noises before it shit the bed? Well, it was loud. Yeah. It was getting louder. And mm -hmm. then all of a sudden, my computer just said, Hey, this error is going on. I looked the error up. Hard drive fails. So I'm like, how do I try to manually start my hard drive? And I tried all this. I'm like, it ain't even spinning. So you it's had a fucking oh, so like an actual post. disk drive. Yeah, yeah, spinning. And the disk. thing is, ah. like a year ago, I was like, oh, I'm gonna change the disk drive out for some SSD drives, and I just had never gotten around to do it because I had two SSD slots in that computer, and I never did it. Uh huh. So, so what you gonna rough. do with the old computer now? Uh, I still have it. Yeah. Um, I might try to upgrade it if I decide to build a gaming computer at any point because yeah. it's very upgradable like that. Yeah. I mean, I kind of, if I had the space, I would love to build myself a flight simulator. Mm. But yeah, that'd um, be fun. And what did you what did you end up getting, and from where? I ended up just going with the standalone H HP system. Yeah. Uh. Because I was like, I'm not doing like heavy video editing anymore, so I don't need a monster of a computer. And now I'm back to two screens. And uh, yeah, this one came with the solid state hard drives and the newest i fucking seven whatever <laughs> jumbo stuff in it. And when it came to the end of it, I was like, I can spend $1,000 to buy a new computer or I can spend 500 to try to recover my old hard drive. 
and buy still the be hard drive with... I wanted to put in was two hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I couldn't get my old hard drive recovered to get my Microsoft ID off of it, I would have to rebuy Microsoft again. So I was like, I'll just instead of spending five hundred dollars and hoping that works, I'll just get a new computer. Yeah. Did you make sure to transfer your Mata? My what? Your Mata? What's my Mata? Nothing. What's the matter with you? <laughs> <laughs> I knew I was falling into a joke. <laughs> you wanted me to say, what's a Mata? And I said, what's my yep. Mata? I was like, I'm like... Is this some like like is this some meta stuff? What are you talking about? I'm like Taylor. The hard drive was fried. I couldn't get anything off of it. It's toast and gone. <laughs> you need oh, your meta and the bofa. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> but now, now I am thinking about getting an external like RAID hard drive for this to keep all my files on to have a quicker SSD kind of upload besides the two spinning external drives I got. So you don't even necessarily need uh, a, a, like a network attached storage disk array or anything. You can get some fairly inexpensive, just regular disk drives that plug into your USB ports and windows now supports. You can, it's got this new disk management where you can just basically create your own array where it will tie okay. all of those disks together as one, uh, logical unit. Even though you have more physical drives, it can create just one logical drive for you, and it can so set it's up. Not, it's a just yeah. You can yeah, set it as RAID, as RAID, whatever. Like you can set it as completely redundant. You can do it as individual disk failover. All all different kinds of stuff. I can help you with that if you want later. Yeah, yeah. I I will need help with that. That's pretty At fancy. This point, I just have. Oh, that's right. I was right. going to say, I have redundancies in uh, Google Drive and uh, Dropbox yeah. for most of my stuff. Because most of what I have is like libraries of PDFs and that kind of thing. So they're fairly low data intensity. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, I've got a. I still got these. I got two of these with all my photos and videos on it. And they're what? Uh, these are five terabytes a piece. Just an external hard drive. Yeah. This, external, is, uh, this is an audio medium, my buddy. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, uh, yeah. Two, uh, yeah. Five terabyte hard drive. Listener Ryan Duffy is holding up a, a portable hard drive right now. Yep. <laughs> but that's why I figured those are both spinning hard drives, and I'd rather upgrade it with something more solid state that I know would have less chance of failing, considering I've had both those hard drives for quite a long time. Yeah. Like my last, this will be yeah. my third computer I've had them with. Yeah, I've got, so I have a really large collection of movies, uh, and I have set up a Plex server here at the house that I've shared with friends and like, I've offered it to you, Ryan and and whatever. But anyway, I have like literally thousands of movies, like high quality HD. And so I have like 10, eight terabit or eight terabyte drives all tied together through the Microsoft fancy new disk management stuff. And it will basically warn me if any of the drives start to fail and it tr- starts ah. transferring data off of there. So, yeah, it's mm. it's pretty robust and, and yeah, easy to manage and happy. I have it a lot of It gives you a peace of mind on. besides it just shitting the bed and being like, gone. Yeah. 
Like yeah, if you were putting any more security into that or any more like preservation of that, Dan, you'd be like sending drives every once or sending tapes every once in a while to Colorado or something. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> to be stored. Yeah. When I, when I worked at Hill, we had, we had tape backups that, yeah. Redundant yep. tape yep. backups that were a real pain in the ass. Yep. Uh, yeah. I worked for a, um, a boutique ISP that sends tape backups weekly. <laughs> wow! <laughs> way back in the day yeah. well yeah shit i guess it's been like 15 maybe 20 years ago now almost uh i worked for a company in salt lake i think they're still around called new reach they do they handle real property data and we were i was one of the original people with the company uh getting their database set up and importing data from different counties around the state dude some of the counties at the time were dealing with like old reel-to-reel tape as their as their data storage, like we had to buy reel to reel tape, uh, like the cellulose a, a player magnetic in order to in order to import their down. data into the database for stuff. Yeah, it's kind of wild. Oh, uh, what's new with you, Mister Grin? Not much. Uh, been a slow couple of weeks. Um, going to Venice this weekend, uh, Florence again next weekend. So that's pretty cool. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah. Just hanging out, getting into the swing of things, trying to make my apartment into more of like a home. Well, less of a bachelor pad. I'll put it that way. (laughs) Have more than one towel kind of situation. So (laughs) I have a bowl and a fork and a plate. Yeah. (laughs) Had a a guest over and uh, made some tea, and the guest was like. Oh, you're going to have some? And I was like, well, once you're done with the mug. (laughs) (laughs) Or we can just maybe share this one. That's just really cute, right? We can just share out of this. That's awesome. (laughs) Fun. Uh, I've just uh, been super slammed with work. We, as, as I'm sure most listeners know, I've been very busy at work for a very long time now. And as many of you will also know who follow the news, uh, because we have some adequate funding, we are actually able to hire some real fucking people, man. We're hiring people from outside the agency to bring inside the agency, like new bodies. We're increasing our total staffing numbers, and that's just awesome yeah, and amazing. How many guns do they get? <laughs> but, <laughs> I heard they're all getting guns, Dan. I heard oh, they're yeah. all getting guns. Yeah, we're hiring 870,000 people, and they're all going to have sidearms, and we're all going to be coming to your home personally to make sure that you fill out your forms correctly and uh, give us all your money. That's how that That's works. That's not what I heard. I heard they were coming to get our guns. Oh, well, that too. That's just that's a side <laughs> enterprise for sure. <laughs> Uh, no, mean, but we're why buy your own guns when you can just take them? <laughs> we're able to actually hire some people, um, and that's awesome. But it has created a new set of issues where we've had to go through and create a whole bunch of documentation, which has been in order to you know pass things off to people that they can do in the meantime while they're getting their security clearances set up, they're getting their their computers set up, all of their. Uh, network user logins and permissions set up, all of that kind of shit that, you know, they've got some documentation that they can read. That has been exacerbated by the fact that at the same time, we are also going through a SharePoint SharePoint migration and implementing Office 365 and OneDrive and Teams, like all kinds of new Microsoft shit that the IRS 
because we've had so little funding for so long, a lot of our systems are very out of date and we've been trying to modernize for some time, but it's just been so hard because we haven't had any funding to do it. Now we do have it and it's just created a whole list of other problems that that are good problems to have to look back on as, yeah. hey, remember when we had to do all this stuff to bring our systems up to snuff and like in line with other people and other agencies out there who actually have modern computer systems. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's just, it just went through this and it grenaded our systems. Yeah. It's, it's been a real pain and I'm taking the next two weeks off, like off, off. I will be, I work tomorrow and then I am off until October 31st. I'm logging out of all of my shit. I'm not going to open my work computer. I'm not taking it with me. I plan to go to CSI con in Las Vegas and then visit some friends while we were out there also go and see a couple shows and we'll be, so we'll be in Vegas from Tuesday through Sunday. Tracy's mom will come and stay here, watch the dogs for us in the house. And I'm just going to be off work for like 20 something days. It's going to be <laughs> fucking amazing. I'm so uh, looking forward to it, but because I'm taking that much time off, uh, now everybody's freaking the fuck out. Like it's been on the calendar for months, but they've only just li this week come to realize, oh no shit, Dan's going to be out for two weeks. So it's, yeah. it's been really, really hectic at work trying to get everything lined up for me to actually be away <laughs> that long without stuff blowing up and, and yeah. So that's, that's about it for me. Uh, we're going to be talking about the January 6th hearings and some other important news stuff that has been going on lately. There's been a lot of really big breaking news just in the last few days that has been pretty amazing on all kinds of fronts. And that we just had to talk about. Yeah. I know we said we weren't going to talk politics for a while, but we couldn't stay away. Oh, no, this is, yeah, this, well, and it's all been, for the most part, really incredible news. So uh, we will be talking about more of that on the other side of this little break. You can't golf Because Peacemaker is masculinity issues. It's like a knuckle dicks tiger. I didn't trust you guys, and I kept him because I wanted answers. And I knew he wasn't going to get out. But then he got out and took over an oriental woman. Asian. Pretty sure she was oriental. You're not supposed to say oriental anymore. She's Asian. Why? Nobody knows why. It's just bad. They do know why, asshat. Oriental insinuates others, so some people consider it derogatory. It's kind of like I need a fucking snowflake scorecard, but fine. Oh, the agony the straight white dude goes through in prison in a world where they suffer the unspeakable horror of occasionally having to substitute one word for another. I said fine! Hi, this is Megan Kennedy. I'm a speaker with the Satanic Temple. You can find me on Twitter at Six Moments, and you're listening to The Godless Revolution. Thank you to everybody who has rated the show on iTunes and Stitcher and are following us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And to all our Patreon patrons, you make the show possible. Welcome back, everybody. We have been uh, going through and trying to pick out what we thought were the most relevant or most interesting parts of today's uh, January 6th hearing that we'll be talking about probably for the rest of the show. Uh, yeah. We may get to some other news, but I kind of doubt it because this was a pretty informative, very interesting hearing today uh, that revealed some new information. But I think it also did a great job of encapsulating uh, a lot of the prior testimony and evidence that they've presented at their other hearings. This was, I believe, was this the ninth hearing? Yes. 
They've had, yes. yeah, I think. Wait, yeah. or was it the ninth episode of She-Hulk I watched earlier? One of the two. <laughs> Ooh, that was a good one. <laughs> I've been totally uh, digging that I series, man. Agree to disagree. <laughs> uh, I like Daredevil. I mean, that's why I made his helmet, and you all laughed at me. I like. <laughs> I still that'll be one of my favorite uh, profile pictures for a while. I'm, I'm in the oh. Thomas Smith camp of analyses of She-Hulk, so. <laughs> I don't. I haven't listened to what Thomas has had to say about it, but I've been enjoying it. I think it's. I think it's been great. I like how she breaks the fourth wall. I like. Uh, I like that a lot. That it's a very progressive show. Uh, that she's like called out directly incels and shit. I think that's pretty cool. Um, and that's fine because you know not every show has to be for everybody. So, um, but so in in the hearing, um. They, they did a great job of encapsulating a lot of the prior evidence and testimony that they uh, have shown during previous hearings. This may be their last hearing, though I doubt it very much, because they also recently came into, the, the select committee recently came into possession of, what was it, millions of lines of text from and to Secret Service agents. Uh, for a very long time, they were trying to get information, uh, text messages from Secret Service phones. There's been a huge debacle surrounding that where they were going through a <coughs> upgrade to fix a bunch of stuff and <coughs> lost some information uh, after they were yeah. told to keep it, which, sure, you can be really bad at your job, but that is... That's Horrible. an epic fuck up. Like whoever is in charge of IT at the Secret Service should have their ass handed to them on a silver platter uh, along with marching papers to find another job if they can. Because in, that's... in the information they revealed today from what they have uncovered from those Secret Service documents so far was pretty fucking damning. Yeah, like I mean I've I work in enterprise government systems and in order to epically fuck up that bad takes gross gross mismanagement and negligence or deliberate sabotage Mouse. yeah like it's it's one of the two there's no middle of the road i just didn't really know so yeah that's you're either grossly inept at your job and shouldn't have been put in that position in the first place or you did it deliberately and should be charged criminally um but they recently came into possession of a bunch of information surrounding those that I think they got from uh, personal phones from some of the Secret Service people. There's been a lot of very disconcerting reporting around a lot of the Secret Service information that was floating around. And there, some of the Secret Service agents' support for the president and his violent rhetoric and claims of voter fraud and all of that nonsense uh, that I think they're I think they're fairly early into going through a lot of that new information, so not much of that was presented at this hearing. But I anticipate that because they recently came into possession of that, uh, that there will be at least one more hearing before they tie this all up and put it on, put a bow on it with their final report. I think they'll probably have one final hearing uh, that will probably come after the election, is my guess, or or. Just and it wouldn't come just before because the election isn't that far away. It'll probably come just after the election, uh, during the lame duck session. Uh, that yeah will be very interesting. But they need to wrap up their report before this Congress ends. So yeah, they got to get on some shit, man. 
Um, but we did go through and pick out some choice moments during today's hearing that we thought were very interesting. Um, the first bit that we're going to start off with is Zoe Lofgren uh, talking about this is this is partway through the information that she's presenting, and this is going to be primarily focused on Roger Stone. Just before this, she was talking about Steve Bannon. And what was it you said earlier about Steve Bannon, Taylor? Fuck him. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. I mean, I hate Steve Bannon enough to have written a two-part episode on him. And uh, yet, I still don't think he's actually that important anymore. <laughs> yeah. I mean, other than his his influence and sway among Trump supporters, like he's not much of an insider these days. He mm -hmm. he's He's a good influencer for hordes of credulous dumb fucks but mm. you know so was he's, alex he's kind of like <laughs> he's kind of like alexander dugan where like if you're a fascist philosopher you really only get any attention if fascism is ascendant and if you start to lose nobody cares about you anymore like mm -hmm. you're you're the first budget to get cut <laughs> yeah yeah you're the first line item on that on that budget to be removed for sure um yeah, it's it's interesting a lot of the things that she has to talk or that she has to say about Roger Stone. Um let's let's get right to that. And if at any time you guys want me to pause this for input or whatever, raise your hand or just cut in. I'll do I'll, this. I'll jump on the pause button. <laughs> Cuz this is very visual what I'm doing right now. Uh-huh. Yeah. I yeah. I can see that and and then yeah. I I can pause it. Okay. Well, here we go with uh Ms. Zoe Lofgren presenting some information about Roger Stone. Donald Trump apparently knew of Mr. Trump's intent. Let me refresh this back to the uh, beginning of that. Sorry. Another close associate of Donald Trump apparently knew of Mr. Trump's intentions as well. Now, Roger Stone is a political operative with a reputation for dirty tricks. In November 2019, he was convicted of lying to Congress and other crimes and sentenced to more than three years in prison. He's also and while she's talking about him, they're showing a picture of Roger Stone sitting on a couch surrounded by posters of Richard Nixon. Nixon. The tricky dick. The the person uh, that Roger Stone has as a fucking tramp stamp tattoo on his back because he's just that hardcore a Nixon fan and cock gobbler that he had to get his his you know criminal hero tattooed on his back also a longtime yeah. advisor to president trump and was in communication with president trump throughout 2020 mr trump pardoned roger stone on december 23rd 2020. now recently the select committee got footage of mr stone before and after uh, the election from danish filmmaker christopher Bill Branson, pursuant to a subpoena. Right before the election, here's Roger Stone talking about what President Trump would do after the election. Let's just hope we're celebrating. I suspect it'll be, I really do suspect it will still be up in the air. But when that happens, the key thing to do is to claim victory. Possession is nine-tenths of the law. No, we won. Fuck you. Sorry, over. We won. Yeah. Yep. You're wrong. Fuck you. ABC. <laughs> I should fuck the Lord and let's get right to the violence. That's what I'm 
So in this is two, these are two different clips that she's presenting of Roger Stone yeah. talking to people. Uh, the first bit uh, where he said, fuck you, you're wrong. He's standing with a group of people, a group of white dudes, one of whom is wearing a T-shirt uh, with a picture of Kyle Rittenhouse uh, that says King Kyle with Rittenhouse holding his gun because, you know, that's somebody you awesome. want to emulate promote think of and as a great the, guy the whole possession is nine tenths of the law fuck you we're in office yeah. we're staying here yeah mm-hmm. right right and now it looks like he's walking through a airport terminal talking to the documentarians that are following him around saying basically fuck it let's get you know fuck the voting let's just get straight to the violence I should have broke the Lord and let's get right to the violence. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> and laughing. Start smashing pumpkins, if you know what I mean. Start smashing pumpkins, if you know what I mean. For those of you who don't mean, he's talking about smashing people's heads. Yeah, but Trump is also kind of pumpkin-like. It's very orange. I did see a very... I saw an interesting uh, pumpkin carving... That was, oh, no. that was his head with some oh, leaves on it, yeah. Some floof. The select committee called Mr. Stone as a witness, but he invoked his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. Do you believe the violence on January 6th was justified? Uh, on the advice of counsel, I respectfully re- uh, declined to answer your question on the basis of the Fifth Amendment. And Mr. Stone, did you have any role in planning for the violence on January 6th? Uh, once again, I will assert my Fifth Amendment right to decline to answer your question. Although we don't yet have all the relevant records of Roger Stone's communications, even Stone's own social media posts acknowledge that he spoke with Donald Trump on December 27th as preparations for January 6th were underway. In this post, you can see how Roger Stone talked about his conversations with President Trump. He wrote, I also told the president exactly how he can appoint a special counsel with full subpoena power to ensure those who are attempting to steal the 2020 election through voter fraud are charged and convicted and to ensure Donald Trump continues as our president. As we know by now, the idea for a special counsel was not just an idle suggestion. It was something President Trump had actually tried to do earlier that month. We know that Roger Stone was at the Willard Hotel on January 5th and 6th, and we know from other witness testimony that President Trump asked his chief of staff, Mark Meadows, to speak with Roger Stone and General Michael Flynn that night. In addition... And who did Donald Trump think of assigning the role of of special counsel? None other than than Sidney fucking Powell. Yeah. Who's... And she's a reputable lawyer, isn't she? <laughs> so, do, do you do you know who else was at that ho- same hotel that night? The Rolling the, Stones, uh, January fifth. I don't know. Proud Boys. Oh, they were there. The uh, that that percenter group, three percenters, Oath oh, Keepers, the, the three percenters, Oath Keepers, with all their gun cachet. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was that was the hotel. All of the hmm. leading insurrectionists were at and if you went back and looked at their like when they were 
um, doing their like social media lives on like whether it was Twitter or Facebook or fucking TikTok. They were putting mm-hmm. that hotel out there as they were there, and that was like their headquarters. Like this is like the night before the fucking storm comes. This is our headquarters. Like mm-hmm. they were proud of what they were doing, mm-hmm. which is why I say mm-hmm. always criminals are fucking stupid. Well, and it's it's one of those things where like if you're part of a fascist movement on the verge of a coup, you're in like you're in a precarious a situation because you need to show yourself. Well, no, you need to show yourself as being as um, gung ho as possible helping out so that you can be a hero if you win, but you also have to keep your cards close to your chest and have a, a fallback in case you lose so that it's harder to charge you with sedition. Mm-hmm. And uh, those two things are very difficult to accomplish simultaneously, yeah. which is why they were camping out in the hotel, you know, Speaking yeah, in coded language the day before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I don't think they thought they were going to lose. I think they full heartedly thought they were going to win this little war. They got coup. really fucking close. <laughs> they did. Well, I think that, again, with like these Republican fascists, they can think two things at the same time. And I'm sure that the people who had actual power, actual political power, were willing to let the muscle think that they were absolutely sure that it would work. Um, and if they were wrong, it wasn't going to be the people in power who would get the pinch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? It was going to be these um, fall people, yeah. the proud boys, the oath keepers, yeah. the three percenters. It's the same reason. It's the same reason why after the Nazis took power, um, there was this event called the night of the long knives which is when the Nazis purged a whole bunch of people within their own ranks because they were a bunch of mostly bruisers who had outlasted their usefulness. Bunch of or, useful idiots, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we've got about two, maybe three minutes more of the information she's presenting here on Roger Stone, let's see. To Sorry about that. Oh, no, you're good. President Trump, Roger Stone maintained extensive direct connections to two groups responsible for violently attacking the Capitol, the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys. Individuals from both of these organizations have been charged with a crime of seditious conspiracy. Now, what is seditious conspiracy? It is a conspiracy to use violent force against the United States to oppose the lawful authority of the United States. Multiple associates of Roger Stone from both the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys have been charged with this crime. Close associates of Roger Stone, including Joshua James, have pled guilty to this crime. We know that at least seven Oath Keepers who have been criminally charged provided personal security for Roger Stone or were seen with him on January 6th or in the weeks leading up to January 6th. For example, Joshua James, the leader of the Alabama Oath Keepers, provided security for Roger Stone and was with him on January 5th. This is uh, the picture of the two uh, together on January 5th. James entered the Capitol on January 6th. He assaulted a police officer. Earlier this year, he pled guilty to seditious conspiracy and and obstruction of Congress. Another example is the married couple, Kelly and Connie Meggs. Kelly Meggs was the leader of the Florida chapter of the Oath Keepers. 
Both he and his wife provided security for Roger Stone, and both are charged with leading a military-style stack attack of Oath Keepers attacking the Capitol on January 6th. Perhaps even more disturbing is Roger Stone's close association with Enrique Tarrio, the national chairman of the Proud Boys. Roger Stone's connection with Enrique Tarrio and the Proud Boys is well documented by video evidence with phone records the select committee has obtained. Um, Tarrio, along with other Proud Boys, has been charged with multiple crimes concerning the attack on January 6th, including seditious conspiracy. During the attack, Tario sent a message to other Proud Boys claiming, we did that. He also visited the White House on December 12th. Later that day, he posted a disturbing video claiming credit for the attack. This video, posted on January 6th, was apparently created prior to the attack. This big lie, President Trump's effort to convince Americans that he had won the 2020 election, began before the election results even came in. It was intentional. It was premeditated. It was not based on election results or any evidence of actual fraud affecting the results or any actual problems with voting machines. It was a plan concocted in advance to convince his supporters that he won. And the people who seemingly knew about that plan in advance would ultimately play a significant role in the events of January 6th. Mr. Chairman, I yield back. And all of that was very interesting. I, I can't remember at what point in the hearing, uh, but they also showed a picture of uh, Roger Stone walking along with a bunch of Proud Boys and Oath Keepers and leading the way in front of him is Utah's own Patrick fucking Byrne, the former uh. CEO of Overstock, who... Yep. Oh man, who who for whatever strange reason happened to capture my mother's attention and imagination when he was uh, CEO of Overstock? She used to run a Salt Lake Chamber uh, business, you know, chamber for businesses, and met with him and just thought he was the bee's knees. And ever since, like for a little while, my mom wanted to, you know, she was all on board for uh, school vouchers. And oh, no. to this day thinks that fluoride in our water is a problem because of Patrick fucking Byrne, who is a seditious conspiracist. So, and, and I used to like that website before I knew about the guy. Yeah. Well, and he's, mm. uh, he, you know, he's no longer CEO of the company, but yeah, he's true, but that's ruined the company for me. Yeah. He's, he's a very unsavory character for sure. But uh, I, there, there was, there was something visual in uh, Lofgren's thing that I want to point out. Uh-huh. When, they, when they were talking about Roger Stone and the Oath Keepers, one of the photos they display, uh, I've seen in video, and he's inside of a white tent. Mm-hmm. It kind of looks like a tent you might have at a wedding where it would have like the little you know plastic windows on it and stuff. Yeah. Uh, that's the same white tent that was behind the stage that Trump was speaking on on January 6th. Mm-hmm. 
where they had the monitor set up in it. And there's several video clips and photos of fucking Oath Keepers in that area providing security for Roger Stone, mm-hmm. who would go on to take part in the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. next, next up, we have some clips from Representative Elaine Luria. Uh, these all basically relate to Trump being aware, like being told over and over and over again that a lot of the voter fraud nonsense that he was promulgating was fucking bullshit. And he would have meetings with people who told him directly that what he was saying was bullshit and here's why it's bullshit and providing him evidence about why it's bullshit and then him nonetheless going on and going out and telling his supporters all of the same fucking lies, knowing full well that they are lies and being given evidence about why they are lies. Mid-December was a turning point. President Trump made a decision, a choice, to ignore the courts and his advisors and to push forward to overturn the election. His efforts to overturn the election were not random or disconnected, Rather, they were part of a coordinated, multi-part plan to ensure that he stayed in power. Donald Trump was the driver behind each part of this plan. He was personally and directly involved. Of course, a key element of the plan was continuing to convince tens of millions of Americans that he did not, in fact, lose. Again, he did this even though his own campaign advisors and his Justice Department officials told him his claims of fraud were wrong. In this video, you'll see that even when top law enforcement officials told the president his election fraud claims were false, he still repeated the claims in the days and weeks that followed. Sometimes, even the I very next day. I specifically raised the Dominion voting machines, which I found to be among the most uh, disturbing allegations, disturbing in the sense that I saw absolutely zero basis for the allegations. I told them that it was that it was uh, crazy stuff, and they were wasting their time on that, and uh, it was doing a great grave disservice to the country. Nine days after that meeting, that's very suspect. Its name is Dominion. With the turn of a dial or the change of a chip, you can press a button for Trump, and the vote goes to Biden. What kind of a system is this? We definitely talked about Antrim County again. That was sort of done at that point because the Henry count had been done and all that. But we cited back to that to say, you know, this is an example of what people are telling you and what's being filed in some of these court filings that are just not supported by the evidence. And this is the problem. The problem is people keep telling you these things and they turn out not to be true. Six days after in that addition, meeting. There is the highly troubling matter of Dominion voting systems. In one Michigan county alone, 6,000 votes were switched from Trump to Biden, and the same systems are used in the majority of states in our country. I went into this. Like he knows that what he's saying yeah. is a lie. It's bullshit. For his own people, his own supporters, his own staff have told him that they are fucking lies, and he's still going out and repeating those lies to his supporters to get them riled up. Well, then also, I think Taylor's favorite friend, um, Steve Bannon, 
uh, is due to probably have to pay a lot, a lot, a lot of money to a Dominion because of the shit he was fucking pushing out on his podcast. And Fox News. Yeah. yeah. And Fox News, too. Yeah. And He's the same gonna have systems to run a debit card from uh, prison. <laughs> in the majority of states in our country. I went into this and would, you know, tell them how crazy some of these allegations were and how ridiculous some of them were. Uh, I'm talking about some of them like, you know, more votes, more absentee votes were cast in Pennsylvania than there were absentee ballots requests. You know, stuff like that it was just easy to blow up. There was never there was never an indication of interest in what the actual facts were. One day As after that know. meeting. There were more votes than there were voters. Think of that. You had more votes than you had voters. That's an easy one to figure. And spy the thousands. Then he raised the, the, the big vote dump, uh, as he called it, in Detroit. And that, you know, he said people saw boxes coming into the counting station at all hours of the morning. And I said, Mr. President, there are 630 precincts in Detroit. And unlike elsewhere in the state, they centralize the counting process. So they're not counted in each precinct. They're moved to counting stations. And so the normal process would involve boxes coming in at all different hours. One day after that meeting. This is Michigan. At 6.31 in the morning, a vote dump of 149,772 votes came in unexpectedly. With regard to Georgia, we looked at the tape, we interviewed the witnesses. There is no suitcase. The president kept fixating on this suitcase that supposedly had fraudulent ballots and that the suitcase was rolled out from under the table. And I said... No, sir, there is no suitcase. You can watch that video over and over. There is no suitcase. There is a wheeled bin where they carry the ballots, and that's just how they move ballots around that facility. There's nothing suspicious about that at all. Ten, ten days after that meeting. Election officials pull boxes, Democrats, and suitcases of ballots out from under a table. You all saw it on television. Totally fraudulent. So he just lies over and over and over again after being given correct information over and over and over again. Well, we're, we're in post-truth society. Yeah. The truth doesn't fucking matter. All that matters is winning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, we have Rep. Pete Aguilar talking about the Secret Service and Trump being aware of weapons at the rally on January 6th. And I just got to I got to say this before we start this again. Okay. I love the fact that what they're doing is laying out the fact that Trump knew all of this. Mhm. Like indisputably he fucking knew. Oh yeah. I mean his his uh, members of his own staff saying, "No, yeah, I did tell him that what he was saying was nonsense, that that it was lies. Here's what is actually going on." And then you know, as little as one day, as little as the very next day, him going out and repeating the same fucking lie he was just told was a lie. Yeah. In the morning of January 6th, President Trump knew that the crowd was angry. He knew that they were armed and dangerous, and he knew that they were going to the Capitol. It's important to understand the lengths the president was willing to go 
to physically be at the Capitol because it was part of his strategy to disrupt Congress and to stay in power. As the time for the ellipse rally approached, an email was circulated among intelligence officials, including Secret Service intelligence official, attaching communications among rally goers that specifically contemplated violence. Trump has given us marching orders, one post on the Donald.win wrote. Basically, if you're east of the Mississippi, you can and should be there. Advance on the Capitol. Keep your guns hidden. Don't fuck around. Full kits, 180 rounds minimum for main rifle, another 50 for sidearm per person. What is clear from this record is that the White House had more than enough warning to warrant stopping any plan for an ellipse rally and certainly for stopping any march to the Capitol. And as evidence from our prior hearings has suggested, the president was aware of this information. But despite awareness of the potential for violence and weapons among the crowd, the ellipse event nevertheless went forward and Donald Trump instructed the angry crowd, some of whom were armed, to march to the Capitol. As my colleague Mr. Schiff just described, the Secret Service reported that thousands in the crowd near the Washington Monument would not enter the rally area because magnetometers used in screening attendees would detect any prohibited items they carried. Mr. Trump knew this. His Secret Service had told him about it that morning. Even in spite of these warnings, Cassidy Hutchinson overheard the president say this shortly before he took stage. He wanted it full and he was angry that we weren't letting people through the mags with weapons. What the Secret Service deems as weapons and our, our weapons. I was in the vicinity of a conversation where I overheard the president say something to the effect of, you know, I, I don't effing care that they have weapons. They're not here to hurt me. Take the effing mags away. Let my people in. They can march to the Capitol from here. Let the people in. Take the effing mags away. And when he went on stage, uh. President Trump himself asked law enforcement <laughs> to let his supporters in the rally site. And I'd love to have if those tens of thousands of people would be allowed the military, the Secret Service, and we want to thank you and the police law enforcement. Great. You're doing a great job. But I'd love it if they could be allowed to come up here with us. Is that possible? Can you just let them come up, please? I want them to go through the magnetometers. President Trump then told his supporters to march to the Capitol. Let's pause at this point to consider President Trump's state of mind, his motivation at this moment. By that point, it was known to Secret Service that members of the crowd were armed. President Trump had been told, and there was no doubt that President Trump knew what he was going to do, sending an angry mob, a number of whom were clad in tactical gear and military garb, armed with various weapons, to the Capitol. There's no scenario where that action is benign. And there's no scenario where an American president should have engaged in that conduct. It did not matter whether President Trump believed the election had been stolen or not. This could not be justified on any basis for any reason. You may also recall testimony from our summer hearings regarding Mr. Trump's efforts to lead the mob to the Capitol himself in his angry altercation in the presidential SUV when the Secret Service told him it was far too dangerous for him to go. As we detailed in testimony from the Metropolitan Police and White House personnel 
during our July 21st hearing, information about the altercation was widely known. So widely known that one former White House employee with national security responsibilities explained that this information was in fact water cooler talk in the White House complex. As that professional told us, they remember hearing in the days after January 6th how angry the president was when he was in a limo that afternoon. That professional also testified that they were specifically informed of the president's irate behavior in the SUV by Mr. Ornato in Mr. Ornato's office. It was Mr. Engel with Mr. Ornato in that office. They'd expressed to me that the president was irate, you know, on the drive up. Mr. Engel did not deny the fact that the president was irate. That, of course, corresponds closely with the testimony you saw this summer from Cassidy Hutchinson, a Metropolitan Police officer who was in the motorcade and from multiple sources. Additionally, after concluding its review of the voluminous additional Secret Service communications from January 5th and January 6th, the committee will be recalling witnesses and conducting further investigative depositions based on that material. Can you imagine an instance where at your work you are you have become so accustomed to and so numb at this point to violent angry outbursts from your boss that it just turns into cooler talk of of your boss attacking somebody that you work with that, uh, that you're just no. like that you're just like oh yeah the boss you know he was really mad and so he you know physically attacked somebody and well that's just the boss you know how crazy yeah. he is and how angry he can get about stuff that it happens so you, often that it just turns into banal water cooler talk yeah you should see our supply of ketchup nuts man <laughs> but it's also the fact Following that, that when he 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 knew these people were armed and makes the comment well, they're not here for me. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, not oh, here so to hurt you me. Feel safe because they're on your side. Yeah. And you know mm -hmm. who they're against. These are my people. Right, huh? right. So, yeah. We will provide even greater detail in our final report. And I will also note this. The committee is reviewing testimony regarding potential obstruction on this issue, including testimony about advice given not to tell the committee about this specific topic. We'll address this matter in our report. That that's kind of a uh, that's that's a little hint of a upcoming bombshell that they will be dropping. I'm yeah. sure that mm -hmm. they have direct Been physical told. evidence of somebody working telling the Secret Service agents to shut the fuck up. Yeah, yeah. To to mm -hmm. obstruct. Mm -hmm. to to participate in an act of obstruction of justice. They have direct evidence of that that they'll be presenting. That'll and be fun. Hi, this is Regina Tippetts. I'm a licensed professional counselor. You can find me at Secular Therapy Project or rctcounseling.com. And you're listening to The Godless Revolution. <laughs> hey, what's up, fellas? Like, you totes seem like the coolest guys in this place, so I was thinking, you know, like, we should get to know each other. What? Let's pick a topic, and then everyone goes around in a circle and says their feelings on that topic. Let's start with, uh, I don't know. Let's each say something that we're grateful for that black people have contributed to American culture. Is this dude joking right now? No, 
Hey, look, I'll go first. I'm grateful that black people gave us rock and roll music. Leonard Skinner, ZZ Top, 38 Special, all those guys owe everything to black American folk and blues musicians. I mean, they wouldn't exist without them. And then white redneck music would just sound like, well, what it sounded like before black people, which was the wet, sloppy sounds of fucking your sister. Okay, so that's my turn. Which one of you dumb sister fucking tiki torch carrying sloth from the Goonies looking pieces of shit wants to go next? If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, criticisms, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL, or Twitter the twatter at TGR Podcast. Thank you! This is this is a negative really? thing I see, and it might be like my preconceived... Like, I've always looked at the Secret Service as being like... Like, that's a high echelon group. That's a group of... They're the elite police professionals force. doing a very professional job, and that's gone for me. Like, no, you're you're not being very professional. They're the guardiest of all bodyguards. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's there's, always there's been a like, book that came out. Oh, I was gonna say, yeah. I don't. Uh, the Secret Service is junk now. Like, how do how do yeah, you? Yeah, them? well, there's there's a book that came out recently called Zero Fail, mm-hmm. and it talks about like consistent, regular fuck-ups through the history of the Secret Service and how it is far less elite a Praetorian Guard as they are perceived. Yeah. Like, the only conspiracy theory I actually really semi-believe could be factual is the is that a, 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 a Secret Service agent accidentally shot Kennedy in the back of the head? Oh. Okay. Never heard yeah, that it's, one. It's, Oh, yeah, it's an interesting one because they had just gotten AR-15s and after Kennedy's thing, all their AR-15s were taken away from them. And that would explain why people on the street smelt the smell of gunpowder because a Secret Service agent, not that there wasn't a shooter, but there was a shooter that shot Kennedy and the Secret Service agent mm-hmm. had an accidental discharge in the vehicle behind to put the kill shot into the back of Ken- Kennedy's head. Like not aiming for it, just his gun went mm-hmm. off and... That sounds like we could do a whole episode on fun stuff Ryan thinks. <laughs> I mean, it was an interesting, it's, it was a lot of the other conspiracy theories. I look at our bullshit. I'm like, you know, that's the only one that might hold, has the possibility. I'm not saying it's true. Just looking at that conspiracy theory, it was one that's like, huh, that one could hold a little water. There's some suspicious stuff with that one. As a as a real quick sidetrack, um, Tracy and I have been watching... Uh, Oh shit! What's the, what is the name of the show with Alan Tudyk where he's an alien? I it, it's oh alien yeah, something. Resident Alien, Resident like Alien. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, and and recently, uh, I think it was on the the season finale that we watched. Uh, they had the guy from like the History Channel or Discovery or whatever, like the aliens guy that you see all the oh, memes yeah. about, right? Like aliens, it's aliens. Uh, he was actually in that episode, but they also interspersed throughout that episode they had clips of people who were it's it's as if they're participating in a documentary or a or a show for like history or discovery where they're talking about alien abduction and alien encounters <laughs> right and so they're it's it's basically interspersed throughout that episode they've got interviews of people sitting down talking to ostensibly a documentary film crew and and telling about their experiences and in one of them, the, it was a couple who was talking about their shared experience while they were out camping 
of encountering, you know, seeing lights in the sky and, and think, and, and that it was probably or possibly aliens. And they presented the most plausible argument for why some of these things aren't captured on like, like phone cameras or, Mm -hmm. or video or anything. And their explanation for why they didn't was that, you know, they're looking at these lights in the sky and they were terrified that anything they did, even if it was any slight movement, that it would call attention to them and the aliens would come and get them, you know, and take their their phones and their equipment and or take them. And so that's why they didn't have anything because they were just scared shitless. Like they were terrified that anything they did could possibly upset the aliens who would then come and take them away, you know, spirit them away in their craft. So, and, and then that would be the end of them. And that's why there was no, you know, recording of the lights or, or the vehicles traveling or traversing the night sky on their phones. And I thought, you know, that's that's kind of a plausible argument that could be made that, yeah, you know, I was just scared shitless in that moment. And I thought it's one of those things like maybe it's it's sight is based on movement. And if I just hold really still and don't do anything, they'll leave me the fuck alone because I'm terrified. Yeah, that's, that, that's what I was going to say. So the aliens are T-Rex. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I paused it while we were watching it. I'm like, you know, honestly, that's that's a fairly decent argument for why people may not choose to do that. But you can't spread that same argument across the full spectrum of everybody who's claimed to have had an account an encounter and why there is no evidence. Like that could be a good argument as a onesie twosie thing, but when spread across the broad spectrum of people who have had encounters, you can't always use that same type of argument as an, or an excuse. I'm pretty sure a drunk hillbilly ain't thinking, Oh, he's going to be able to save me if I do this. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, let's continue with Mr. Aguilar here. (laughs) We also want to remind you now of how security professionals working in the White House complex and who reported to national security officials responded when they learned that Mr. Trump intended to lead the mob to the Capitol. To be completely honest, um, we were all in a state of shock. Because why? Because, Because it just, one, I think the actual physical feasibility of doing it and then also we all knew what that indicated and what that meant, that this was no longer a rally, that this was going to move to something else if he physically walked to the Capitol. Okay. I, I don't know if you want to use the word insurrection, coup, whatever. We all knew that this would move from a normal, uh, democratic, you know, public event into something else. Why were we alarmed? Right. Uh, the president wanted to lead tens of thousands of people to the Capitol. Um, I think that was enough grounds for us to be alarmed. Uh-huh. President Trump was still considering traveling to the Capitol even after returning to the White House. He knew well before 2 p.m. that a violent riot was underway at the Capitol. He was aware of the ongoing lawlessness, but his motorcade was held on West Executive Avenue outside the White House because he still wanted to join the crowd. Here's Kaylee McEnany, the White House press secretary, describing an exchange she had with the president as soon as he arrived back at the White House. So to the best of my recollection, I recall him being um, wanting to, saying that he wanted to physically walk and be a part of the march and then saying that uh, he would ride the beast um, if, if he needed to, right in the presidential limo. From the Secret Service, the select committee has also obtained important new evidence on this issue. 
It shows how frantic this hour must have been for the Secret Service, scrambling to get the President of the United States to back down from a dangerous and reckless decision that put people in harm's way. Take a look at the Secret Service email from 1.19 p.m. on January 6th, the minute that President Trump got out of the presidential vehicle back at the White House. As soon as the president left his motorcade, leadership from the Secret Service contacted Bobby Engel, the lead agent for the presidential detail, and warned him that they were, quote, concerned about an OTR, an off-the-record movement, to the Capitol. The people sworn to protect the safety of the President of the United States and who routinely put themselves in harm's way were convinced that this was a bad idea. Secret Service documents also reveal how agents were poised to take President Trump to the Capitol later that afternoon. Agents were instructed to don their protective gear and prepare for a movement. A few minutes later, they were told the President would leave for the Capitol in two hours. It wasn't until 1.55 p.m. that the President's lead Secret Service agent told them to stand down. We are not doing an OTR to the Capitol. By then, rioters had breached the Capitol and were violently attacking the efforts of the brave men and women in law enforcement trying to resist the mob. President Trump may not have gone to the Capitol on January 6th, but what he did from the White House cannot be justified. While congressional leaders, both Democrats and Republicans, worked with Vice President Pence to try and address the violence, President Trump refused urgent pleas for help from nearly everyone around him. And what he did do only made the situation worse. Mr. Chairman, I yield back. And I think all of that was fantastic. There are other parts of the hearing today that I thought um at least deserve some bit of mention. Uh, one of them being that at one point during the hearing, um, they were playing testimony from Jason Miller, one of Trump's uh, campaign advisors. He's the guy who looks like fucking Cartman with a goatee. Um, they, they specifically mentioned that um, parts of his testimony, they know are lies that, and, and so they mentioned that, you know, Jason Miller told us this, which, is in direct contradiction to dozens of other people that we spoke with. And so, you know, parts of his testimony are, have been deemed as not entirely credible. I imagine that he may end up facing, um, some charges because of that. Um, another long montage that they played was of, various lawmakers working in tandem as part of a bipartisan effort to provide support at the Capitol. Uh, they showed clips of, you know, uh, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Steny Hoyer, um, on the phone with people like governor Ralph Northam, um, uh, uh, the other governor's name that's a scale. Oh, Hogan, uh, governor Hogan uh, yeah. trying to get help from him from Maryland so they're asked, they're calling the governors of Virginia, of Maryland, they're calling the DC mayor, trying to get National Guard out from any of these locations to the Capitol for support. There, there's a clip of them speaking on the phone with Vice President Mike Pence, who mm-hmm. he is the one who is actually, you know, leading the charge in trying to actually get National Guard troops out to the Capitol to help people because Donald Trump is doing fucking nothing this entire time. The The other interesting part of this montage is that they also played clips from 
at least a half dozen people testifying to the fact that Donald Trump sat in the White House dining room alone watching television for like four hours while all of this was going on, while people are periodically coming in and telling him, hey, you need to do something about this. Hey, you need to stop this. You need to release a tweet. You need to make an announcement. You need to do something to stop the violence. They, They showed text messages from Sean Hannity, from Laura Ingram, from Trump's own kids, from uh, from Pence, from all of these different people trying to get Trump to do something, fucking anything to try to stop the violence and him doing nothing about it. Just yeah. sitting there on his ass in the dining room watching television, something that he has denied publicly doing while they paraded more than half a dozen witnesses, eyewitnesses in his own cabinet and his own staff who said that that's exactly what he did the entire time. And I also want to point out that uh, I'm on Trump's true social right now, this um, awesomely successful social media platform <laughs> that it is, that is not dealing with any lawsuits whatsoever. It's doing great. Yeah. It's doing really good. Yeah. Uh, but he said, uh, why didn't crazy Nancy Pelosi call out the troops before January 6th, which I strongly recommended that she do? It was her responsibility, but she didn't like the look. Crazy Nancy failed the American people. And uh, with that, I think he's projecting a little bit because I think he didn't like the look of it because it, it, um, Donald Trump was in charge of the D.C. military personnel at that point in time. Hmm. It wasn't until recently that has been amended to allow the mayor of D.C. to be in charge of the National Guard. They're like the mayor of or governor of every other state is allowed to be in charge of their National Guard. Mm-hmm. So Nancy Pelosi ha- had no control over any military personnel. Yeah. So that whole thing where they keep blaming her for not calling up the troops beforehand is fucking bullshit. GOP, gaslight, obstruct, and project. <laughs> um, lastly, yeah. uh, we want to play the presentation or, or parts of the presentation from rep Liz Cheney and then leading into probably the, the largest takeaway from today's hearing uh, that the January 6th committee is going to officially subpoena Donald Trump and testimony and records from him. Uh, that's very interesting. Let's, let's hear what she's going to say. Here is John Eastman fraudulently instructing tens of thousands of angry protesters that the vice president could change the election outcome on January 6th. I meant to say, too, that, yeah, leading into that, we're going to hear her talk about and and hear various Trump people plead the fifth when they've actually had to come in and sit for a deposition and testimony under oath. They won't answer questions. They'll go out in public and run their fucking mouths. But when it comes down to crunch time and having to provide accurate, honest, truthful testimony, they won't do it. And in large part, it's because it would their testimony would incriminate them. Later on this same day, Dr. Eastman acknowledged in writing that Donald Trump knew what he was attempting was illegal. Here is John Eastman testifying before our committee. Did President Trump authorize you to discuss publicly your January 4th, 2021 conversation with him? Fifth. 
So is it your position that you can discuss in the media direct conversations you had with the President of the United States, but you will not discuss those same conversations with this committee? If. <laughs> I love that. It's so perfect because they're like, okay, so you're telling us that you won't provide sworn testimony to us for, as part of this committee, but you'll go on news media, you'll go to Fox, you'll go to Newsmax, you'll go to any of these fucking right-wing lunatic sites and run your fucking mouth saying whatever you want, but then when the chips are down and you have to come in and provide sworn testimony to us, you're going to plead the fifth. That's what you're saying? Actual information. Yeah, and he says fifth. <laughs> Here is Jeff Clark, who conspired with Donald Trump to corrupt the Department of Justice. President Trump wanted to appoint Jeff Clark as acting attorney general. And as you can see in this call log we obtained from the National Archives, he did so. And here is Mr. Clark testifying before our committee. Mr. Clark, when did you first talk directly with President Trump? Fifth. Mr. Clark, did you discuss with President Trump allegations of fraud in the 2020 election? Fifth. Other witnesses have also gone to enormous lengths to avoid testifying about their dealings with Donald Trump. Steve Bannon has been tried and convicted by a jury of his peers for contempt of Congress. He is scheduled to be sentenced for this crime later this month. Criminal proceedings regarding Peter Navarro continue. And Mark Meadows, Donald Trump's former chief of staff, has refused to testify based upon executive privilege. The committee's litigation with him continues. Mr. Chairman, at some point, the Department of Justice may well unearth the facts that these and other witnesses are currently concealing. But our duty today is to our country and our children and our Constitution. We are obligated to seek answers directly from the man who set this all in motion. And every American is entitled to those answers so we can act now to protect our republic. So this afternoon, I am offering this resolution that the committee direct the chairman to issue a subpoena for relevant documents and testimony under oath from Donald John Trump. Boom! In connection with the January 6th attack on the United yeah, yeah. States Capitol. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I yield back. And then they go through the process of voting. Um, they, they do an oral vote first, and then Liz Cheney asks for an actual recorded vote. And every member of the committee votes in affirmation of subpoenaing Donald John Fuckhead Trump to provide sworn testimony and evidence as part of this hearing. And I'm sure that came crashing down like, I don't know really bad thing on Trump today among all of the other bad news that he has received lately. But like from the Supreme Court, there be a bottle of ketchup in his house right now. <laughs> <you know? laughs> yeah, it was just, it, it was, it was awesome. I've, I've long thought that they would eventually do this. I think they probably should have done it earlier so that they had more time back and forth to actually get information from him and to be able to take that tool away from him. 
to to be able to for him to no longer be able to say I haven't been able to go in and provide my side of the story. They haven't even asked me to come in. I don't know what's going on. Uh, there's just the unselect committee doesn't want to hear from Trump for some reason because they're just going to go in there and make up their own narrative and lies. Well, now they've yeah. taken that tool away from him because now they can say, okay, we've officially invited you. Not only have we officially invited you, we're making it a legal action that you are supposed to now come in and talk to us or face uh, potential criminal charges of obstruction of Congress. So mm-hmm. that's all very exciting. I thought it was great stuff. Um, I thought today's hearing was was very awesome. If you haven't had the chance to watch the entire thing, I encourage you to do so. I encourage you to watch all of the hearings front to back in full because there's a ton of great information that has been provided there are going to be documentaries, movies, books. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's already been books written about it, but there, there's, there's going already documentaries to documentaries in the work from what we've seen. Yeah, there's going to be a ton of media about this. This is, these are all going to go down in the history books. Donald Trump will go down as one of the worst, if not the worst president that we've had. He'll, he'll certainly be the worst president in modern times. Uh, I yeah. I almost hope he will no longer be allowed to call himself the 45th president. Well, he'll always be the 45th president, but... Yeah, but if they get to... Stri- yeah. I don't, well, I mean, we've never tried, I guess, strip the title of presidency away from anyone. I don't know how you even would do that. I mean, it's he was president for four years, so... Yeah. True, but he's a seditious president. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. he's he's the twice impeached 45th president... One term (laughs) loser failed president who led a seditious conspiracy and attempted coup to destroy American democracy. And for some strange fucking reason still has tens of millions of fucking gullible ass stupid supporters out there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Final thoughts. I kind of suspect, um, I kind of suspect that like if he does actually get convicted um, from one of the multiple charges that are, you know, dangling at any time now mm-hmm. um, that we'll see the word Trump kind of have a, a reversal in the euphemistic treadmill where like it had been the case that, you know, you pull your Trump card, like you yeah. Trump someone. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's going to reverse itself and, and become a word for when somebody like fucks something up really badly. Like horribly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hope that's the case. Yeah. Yeah. I look forward to that very um, much. No, but in terms of final thoughts of this, like, I think it's okay. I think it's good at, at presenting some of the information as to what's going on. But at this point, like, to me personally, until it's an indictment, until it's no shit charges, um, you know, something that causes punishment to people who are behind these actions, it's not enough for me. Like, I'm glad they're doing it, but I also want to see Merrick Garland start slapping some peepees. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I, I think- mean, it's going to take nothing happens overnight. And I think we want it to happen overnight. And like, there's other big profile cases that Merrick Garland has been involved when involved in have taken a year or two before it came to fruition. Mm-hmm. And this is mm-hmm. really fucking big. Yeah. Like, it's probably the biggest. Oh, yeah. thing ever. And, and don't mistake me for making the like, terminally online leftist argument. I'm not saying that 
um, Merrick Garland isn't going to do that. I'm just saying that for me personally, like, uh, you know, I'm ready to move on to the next phase of, of their finding out from fucking around. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm pretty sure once I think we have Trump dead to rights, but Merrick Garland is making sure that it is 100% positive that they can prove it in court. And I I hope they're not weighing the whole, well, it's Trump, it's a president. Like, do we want to do this? What's going to be the outcome if we do this? Because no, you that's have the to. case. Yeah, you have to. At yeah. this point, at this point, you have to. You have to offer a criminal yeah. indictment of him. If you do not, mm-hmm. then all You're you are doing, with this. all you are doing then is telling everybody that you can do whatever as president and if you and if you are successful great and if not you're not going to face any consequences so then that basically just removes any kind of guardrails any kind Mm -hmm. of legal barrier to anybody trying to do this in the future and doing it much more in a much more open ruthless naked manner to just destroy democracy and remain in power no matter what you have to indict him there's i honestly don't see any way in the world that he will not face indictment on criminal charges for this and Mm -hmm. honestly i think that he may end up in prison for this there's there's I, i don't see that you cannot have that be an outcome unless you really don't care that our democracy was almost stolen from us because to not well, to not criminally indict him and to not offer stiff penalties including actual real fucking no shit jail time for this motherfucker means that whoever next comes into power whether that be trump again whether it be pompeo whether it be fucking uh florida dude what the fuck is DeSantis? De- yeah whether it's DeSantis, any of these fucking well, people that just gives them a green light to not just do what Trump did, but to do it harder and faster. Yeah. I mean, for this prison, but also I like to think of the Rosenbergs who tried to steal America's nuclear secrets and take them overseas. Um, they got dead. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, the biggest thing for me is I want, like Dan said, for this to be a deterrent for future potential fascists at a minimum. Um, uh, I really liked what uh, I believe it was uh, Cheney said towards the beginning um, where she said what this has now taught uh, an aspiring politician is to um, appoint people who will not tell you no yeah. um, to create people holding the levers of power while you're in office who will open the way for you to subvert democracy. Mm-hmm. And I think that the biggest thing that somebody like DeSantis would learn from Trump is that if he's going to try and, you know, uh, break democracy, he'll be better at it. Yeah. Well, thank you guys very much for joining me for this. And oh, yeah. well, it's been fun. Mm-hmm. We haven't had a chance to really talk a whole lot recently because of just stuff, man. Uh, thank Fuck you life. all. Yeah. <laughs> thank you all very much for tuning in. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I will be at CSICon in Las Vegas next week. If you plan on being there, stop by and say hello. Don't be afraid to approach me and say hi. I don't bite unless you ask, and even then I probably won't because that's just gross. Why would I bite strangers? <laughs> um, but, yeah, stop by, say hi, chat. Feel free to do whatever. Don't, don't 
don't do some things. I don't know. I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying yeah. I'll be there, and I encourage you to stop by and say hello if you happen to see me. Uh, I, I also want to fans. throw out there, if you in, enjoy us doing what I did uh, last week, doing a, a Gossip Revolution sidetrack where it might just be one of us talking on a microphone, uh, if you enjoy mm-hmm. that, let us know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, I, I think it gives us the opportunity, especially for our Patreon members, to give them more content coming from our lips, whether it be good or bad. Yeah. Uh, to your ears. Yeah, and but, I've, uh, I've thought about doing that every now and then for like big stories like the Alex Jones thing yesterday. Yeah. It was fucking amazing. I was tap dancing mm-hmm. in the evening. That was awesome. Him being ordered to pay nearly a billion dollars to the families of Sandy Hook. That was awesome. Uh, little things like that. Little things like the... Uh, verdict coming in today for the Parkland shooter that he will face yeah. life in prison versus the death penalty. Uh, death penalty. I think it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Other people would argue the other. Supreme Court rejecting yeah. Trump uh, trying to appeal the 11th. Oh, yeah. Uh, recent yeah. reporting that the Oath Keepers and Proud Boys had not just caches of handguns and long rifles, but also shit like fucking hand grenades stored yeah. in hotels for quick response forces that would be called up if they chose to, you know, continue their attack on the Capitol. If Trump hadn't eventually done something to tell yeah. them to go the crossing the Potomac in boats. Yeah. Like there, like there was a lot George of Washington advanced planning and really violent rhetoric. Oh. They, they were looking to fucking kill people. They wanted to kill yeah. people. Uh, yeah, so if, if you guys like that kind of content where one of us just jumps on and gives our two cents on a breaking news story or if we find something we think is just fucking funny in the world of religion, uh, we'll continue to do it. Just yeah. let us know. Yeah. Well, thanks again, guys. I am going to go. I, I got to go back to work again after this for a little bit. But Should we thank our Patreon members really quick? Hopefully not too long. Yeah, we should do that because... <laughs> they keep the show going. Thank you for the reminder. I apologize if this list is a little bit out of date. I have not had a chance to go and review and update our Patreon list for a minute. Uh, but I will do that soon. And thank you all very much. But before we go, I want to make sure that we do thank Ed Harris. Kevin Scheel. Uh Crucify that like button. Leave a review on iTunes and rate the show five times a day towards Sylvia Gray. Steve Kuno. Sinead Duffy. Tiffany Hudson. John McCullough. All oh, you fuckers. A noble spirit embiggens the smallest man. A perfectly <laughs> cromulent statement. Holly Olson. Vanessa. Alan Firth. Two skeptical chaps. Stephen Andrus. Martina Fern. Uh, Clank Trucking. Zeus 9SO. Jonathan. Not a fucking gymnast. Updog Willoughby. Marvin Dracone. Sir Roses of the River. Get a scale and find out what a hen weighs. <laughs> oh, Megan Mitchell. Ah, that's me. Don't be a Richard. Corey Ebert. Mackenzie Peterson. All hail, Peanut Butcher. Jeremy Goodson. Utah Outcasts. Good news, everyone. Wesley Aaron. Rethinker215. 
Sarah Segovia. Theodore Sellen. Tim Jacobson. Janet Uter. Savita Kuna. Purple Dragon. James. And Snake the Jailbird wants you to please support the American Civil Liberties Union. Get off my lawn, you coppers. <laughs> Thank you all very, very much. If you, dear listener, would like to become a Patreon patron, you can do so very easily by going to patreon.com slash godlessrevolution, where you can contribute as little as $1 per episode. And then you get fun stuff like clips from the cutting room floor, an early release of the episode before anybody else, extended outtakes, a song at the end of the show, fun stuff like that there. And also priority uh, when people send us messages to do stuff and junk and things and uh, for show ideas and all of that kind of stuff. I have a bunch of things that I would like to do for the show one day when I have some time. So hopefully... You know, sometime in the coming future, that will be really cool and great and good. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Until then, uh, thank you guys very much. I'll let you go to bed, Taylor. Uh, You go play with your... I'm so sorry. I've been so tired for like the last (laughs) half an hour. (laughs) Something happened where I was just like, "Mm, no, I'm not tired. You're tired. I've hit the wall. (laughs) You can barely keep your eyes open. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Love you very much. All right. Bye. Love you too. Talk to you. Take care. Bye. See you next week. (laughs) Taylor's done.